Season two of Cook Tracks is made possible with the help of Vertex Pharmaceuticals. For decades, Vertex Pharmaceuticals has been inspired by and working hard for the cystic fibrosis community, also known as the CF community. CookTracks has partnered with Vertex and a CF nutritionist to create meals that meet the dietary needs of people living with CF. These recipes can also be enjoyed by the whole family. To learn more about Vertex and cystic fibrosis, visit www.vrtx.com. And to find additional recipes that the whole family can enjoy, visit the CF Kitchen at www.everyday-cf.com. Vertex, we thank you for going the distance for CF. As professional cooks, we rush a lot of things. And paying attention to the details of something that's so simple as peppers and onions with tomato sauce and eggs on top makes a world of difference in the final product. I'm Rach, Rachel Ray, and you're listening to Cook Tracks. It's a brand new, super cool way to cook. Each episode will be right alongside you. Well, kind of, we'll be in your ear, taking you step-by-step through a dish or a meal in real time. We'll be adding a little pinch of tips, tricks, and fun stories to keep you guys entertained and up your cooking game. Needless to say, we've got your back in the kitchen. I mean it, guys. You literally don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to keep you on track with my buddy, Cappy. Think of him as our kind of play-by-play announcer for the cook-along. And since not all stoves are created equal, boy, do I know that. If you guys get a little caught up, just hit pause. You don't have to read a recipe, and it isn't rocket science. This is not something you're supposed to take seriously. We want you guys to have fun. Follow along, and at the end of each episode, we'll have made a dish or a meal from start to finish together. Gather up your ingredients, pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, and turn your volume up to 11. This is Cook Tracks. Ready to get cooking? We're back at it again with James Beard award-winning chef, Chef Zach Engel of Galit, you know, the restaurant in Chicago. You can cook along with him and try his delicious shakshuka with sweet potatoes. Yum. And I call a meal like this a BLD. That means you can serve it up for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Let's talk prep work. You can keep on listening to this episode, but if you go to your episode notes on your device or cooktracks.com, you'll find the ingredients and equipment list that you need to cook along with us. Cap's in the kitchen with Zach. Take it away, Cap. All right, here in the kitchen at Khalid with Chef Zach Engel. Zach, what are we making? We are making a shakshuka with sweet potatoes and herbs. Yum. What is shakshuka? Shakshuka is a breakfast dish cooked in the Middle East and in North Africa. And it is basically like a really delicious vegetable-y, peppery tomato sauce with eggs poached in it. Amazing. And I love that you're adding sweet potatoes, which I'm sure we'll get to as we start cooking. But let's do a quick um, roll call of ingredients here before we get going. Yes. So what we've got is we've got a cup of cherry tomatoes that we've cut in half, one small sweet yellow onion. I've sliced it thinly. It's about a quarter of an inch thick on the slices. Same thing with the Anaheim or banana pepper. I like to use those because they're a little bit on the spicier end, but you can totally use like red or green bell peppers if you don't like spicy stuff. That's fine. If you like a little spicier, maybe like a Fresno chili or 
poblano would be great. We've got some couple cloves of garlic that we've got minced up, a 28-ounce can of crushed tomatoes, some salt, a sweet potato that I peeled and diced up into about, you know, half to one-inch chunks, a little bit of olive oil, four eggs, some flaky sea salt, and parsley and green onions. You can use dill, you can use cilantro, you can use thyme, rosemary, anything that you want to use in terms of herbs. It's kind of like the kind of recipe where you can do whatever you want and just have fun with it. And if you just understand the cooking basics, it's pretty easy. Amazing. All right, let's get cooking. If you do not have any of those ingredients, feel free to hit pause now, run to your fridge, run to your cabinet, hit play and join us back here. What's up first? So first what we're gonna do is we're gonna cook our sweet potatoes in a skillet to get them to a little bit of roasty toasty so they're nice and soft because once we start the actual shakshuka they won't cook very well so what we're going to do is turn our pan on the stove we've got a 12 inch skillet onto high heat to get it really nice and warm so that's going to take a couple minutes i've got my sweet potatoes over here they're in a small bowl so what i'm going to do is i'm going to just go ahead while we're waiting for that pan to get hot I'm gonna get a nice little pinch of kosher salt and sprinkle it over the sweet potatoes and kind of toss them around a little bit so they get, they get seasoned. It'll also help to kind of soften them up a little bit. It'll pull some of the water out of, this, out of the sweet potatoes so they're a little bit easier to cook a little bit faster. One thing I always tell people with sweet potatoes too, just while we're waiting for this pan to heat up, is it's really important to make sure you peel them down really far a lot of the times I think that people don't peel them down enough. You peel the skin off and then there's always like a little bit more of that like lighter, whiter skin yeah. that's underneath the outer skin. And that stuff is like really dense and rich in like the starches. And so it can take your sweet potatoes longer to cook if you don't peel them down. Wow. You can also take these guys and do the same thing. Toss them in salt, maybe a little oil and throw them in your oven if you want ahead of time. But, you know, it's up to you. I like cooking in one pan. That's how I prefer. So I've got a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. We usually mix it with a little bit of canola oil here at Khalid, about a half and a half, just to get some good flavor. This pan is, I added, you know, about a quarter cup of oil. Pan's ripping hot. It is smoking. Is that what we're looking for? Yeah, we're looking okay. for like hard caramelization on Got the it. sweet potatoes. I took it off the heat. I'm adding my sweet potatoes. And one sweet potato I think is exactly the right amount for cooking in your skillet. It fills it up nicely, but it's not like, it's a single layer across the bottom. So be really careful when you go put those sweet potatoes in because they're gonna splatter a little bit. Got it. So you took it off the heat because your, your, your oil and your pan was super duper hot. Mm -hmm. Add those sweet potatoes and those sweet potatoes will obviously start to cool the pan so you can put it back on the heat. Right, right. So they're cooking a little bit now. I've got this back on the flame at about a medium. They shouldn't stick to the pan because the oil is really hot. You want to watch them a little bit because if they burn, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world because for this dish, we actually want a lot of like just deep, hard caramelization. It's gonna give us a lot more flavor than if we just slowly saute things until they're like watery and mushy. So as this is cooking, I think it's really important to mention 
that once you get this process started, if you don't have everything ready and cut up, it's going to take you a lot longer and you're going to have to like stop and go and stop and go and stop. Yeah. And go. So that's like pro chef tip for everyone listening at home or in the car or on the subway or on the bus. That's in chef world, mise en place it's called, and it's having everything in its place. So you want to have, you know, have everything sliced and diced and chopped in front of you so you can add to the pan and and you don't get held up as right. you're cooking. I mean, like we make at Galit, we make, you know, two to three dozen of these a night. Um, and we make six to seven of them at a time and just get ahead of them. And that means that we have to have gallons of tomatoes and onions and peppers already pre-cut so that we can do that. Because we don't have time to do it during dinner service. Because we're cooking one shakshuka and we're cooking a bunch of other dishes at the same time. Um, so they've been going for about a minute now. I'm going to take a spatula and just kind of rotate them around, kind of flip them over. I'm going to get a little bit of color on these, which is kind of what you want. I love sweet potatoes. I do too. And you know what I heard? I'm no doctor. I'm no nutritionist, so don't quote me. But I heard sweet potatoes are one of the most nutrient-dense pieces of produce you can buy in a grocery store. I'm also not a nutritionist, so I'm not going to affirm your claims. Uh, but I think that they're really, really delicious in that they caramelize really well, so they get great texture. Like potatoes, regular potatoes, you know, you have to pre-cook them and then you have to fry them in order to get them to be like soft and crispy like a french fry or like home fries you know and with sweet potatoes they're so sweet they caramelize and then they get really really like, delicious texture on the inside and it like something simple is like roasting them in the oven or sauteing them in a pan over a really high heat what's really cool cappy is you can watch these and you can see what's happening to them You've got caramelization on one side that's been cooking, you know, one minute and then we're kind of moving them around and they change color. They're like a rich orange. Yeah. These are beautiful sweet potatoes from one of our local farmers mm. here in Chicago, but they're changing to this like lighter yellow color with the brown and the stuff that's undercooked, that's still not fully cooked yet, is that bright orange still. So as I'm moving these around, I know what is cooked and what isn't just based off of color. These are also gonna be the thing that makes this shakshuka really set itself apart. So you're telling us that we should use our senses when we cook? All the time. Okay. You know, over the pan, try not to get splattered with oil, but if you smell this, it smells like Thanksgiving sweet potato pie. It's like nice and toasty and roasty. You can smell, smell the sweetness and we're coming up to be almost almost uh almost done here just a little bit more time maybe a couple minutes so about five minutes there leave them in the pan for a minute or two until they get that nice caramelization on one side and then kind of play around with them and and cook by by sight and if you will we've also got you know we've got some sweet potatoes in here that i think that some people would say to themselves that looks a, like a little too dark for me 
which is delicious to me. Uh, I listen. I I understand that you don't like the bitter taste of burnt things. Like I I feel you on that one. But a lot of that isn't really burnt. It's caramelized sugars, and you know shakshuka is more of a rustic dish. It's something that people make with very little ingredients in places where they can't afford to have eggs benedict per se. So this is their breakfast dish. And a little bit of char on your sweet potatoes, I think is a little bit more character, a little bit more authentic. So now we're at a point where there's like very little sweet potato that is undercooked at this point. And then I've got this, uh, this tray. You can use a baking sheet, you can use a plate. But what we wanna do is we wanna get the sweet potatoes out of the pan once they're fully cooked and strain off a lot of this oil. So we use the perforated spatula to pick them up and a tray lined with some paper towels to soak up all that excess grease. Awesome. So that was like, I don't know, called six, seven minutes or so, but as we always say during these Cook Tracks episodes, your stove is different than this stove, your pan is different than this pan. So as uh, Chef was super clear as he was cooking these sweet potatoes, you could almost cook by sight with this. As you see them start to caramelize and turn that dark golden brown color, turn them, turn them to a different side. So these guys are crispy, they are caramelized, and they are soft on the inside. So with this dish, what's always really important to me is having textures. Because it would be easy for us just to like put a can of tomato sauce in a skillet and put some eggs on top and call it a day. But for me, it's about having a lot of vegetables in there that are giving you different experiences and flavors. So we are gonna take, now these sweet potatoes are cooling on our paper towel entree. We've got our skillet. It's still on. Same um, skillet. Same one, skillet. One skillet meal, peeps. One skillet meal. Adding a little bit of oil. I added to a little pan. bit more oil because those sweet potatoes did absorb a little bit of that yeah. oil. So it's like you want like just like almost like a thin coating on the bottom. Yeah, it's like about an eighth of an inch. And then here's where it gets a little crazy. Tomatoes have a lot of water in them. And so when we put the tomatoes in this pan, they're gonna splash. So you wanna kind of like push them away from you, start at the front of the pan and throw them in the pan towards the back so they splash away from you because you don't want to get oil burns. And I am going to put my salt on my stove right next to my pan because throughout this entire process of cooking these vegetables, I want to season every step of the way a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. So I've got my tomatoes, skillet is nice and hot. And you can hear that sizzle. That's that water popping with the tomatoes. Now, caramelization is a big thing in this dish. I really, 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 we're on a medium heat. I really want these tomatoes to almost like blister because I'm building a foundation for this dish, starting with these blistered tomatoes the juice pops out of them and it starts to caramelize. And I want that like charred bits on the bottom of the pan to kind of accumulate 
as I'm cooking everything. Really useful tool to have as well if you're a little bit hesitant to swirl your pan around like a pro chef is a nice high heat rubber spatula. So I have not touched them since I dropped them in the pan. Now I'm gonna swirl my pan around and use my high heat spatula. And we can see they're kind of blistering a little bit. And the oil is starting to turn this like golden brown color. And that's coming from the sweet juice of the tomatoes getting reduced down into like a tomato caramel. It's just naturally happening. Some of these tomatoes have like a really nice caramelization on them. That's what I want. I'm seasoning them with a little pinch. And then I'm about to start moving into all the other vegetables. Awesome. So I got some nice caramelization on those tomatoes. Next up, we're going onions and peppers. And in this dish, it's kind of how much vegetable do you want in there? I like it to be really heavy on the vegetables, but I also know that I wanna make sure that I can get a good amount of caramelization on them while they're sauteing. So I got my onions and my peppers in there. Once again, salt, just a pinch. Yeah, and so I don't want people to think I, as you have probably explained this a hundred times or more, but as chef is seasoning with salt, this is to season and bring out the flavors in layers of this dish. Right. It's so not I'm doing making it salty, you're seasoning the components of the In what I just put in was probably a quarter of a teaspoon of, right. of like a flaky kosher salt. And the next thing that I want to do is sort of mix everything around. Let's take that high heat rubber spatula. Yeah, just mix, mix it around, it around. a little bit. Move everything around so it's nice and even. Now, if you don't see a lot of oil in your pan at this point, you can add a little bit more. That's totally okay. So I'm actually gonna add a little bit because that oil is gonna basically like kind of fry everything. And the salt is pulling out water from the peppers and the onions, as well as seasoning them. That's just like how salt works on vegetables. Like it extracts water and moisture from things. So now I'm on this like medium heat and just because I want to get like, I tell the cooks all the time, it's like fajita onions. You know, when you go to like a Chili's and they come out and they're like, they're, they have texture to them, like they're crunchy, but they're like caramelized brown crispy on one end. Mm -hmm. That's what you want in this dish. Got it. Because that's going to have texture and flavor in the same bite. You almost want like a little more, like a little more oil than you think. Yeah, and especially because like, it's just gonna absorb. So we're letting this go for, you know, a couple minutes, every once in a while stirring it around. But the one thing you don't really wanna do in this, with this dish at this moment is move them around too much because you want them to like, have the time in the oil with the high heat of the pan to really like caramelize. If you move stuff around too much, you won't get that like burnt char texture. Also, we sliced these onions an eighth of an inch as opposed to a quarter of an inch. They would already be like melty, 
buttery texture of onions and peppers, they're still maintaining a good shape here. Like they still have their integrity. It doesn't look like a pile of mush. So that's really important. I think for a good shakshuka, like it's a really easy dish. You have a leftover half an onion, you have a leftover bell pepper, you got some cherry tomatoes, can of sauce in the back and some eggs. It's a very, very easy breakfast or lunch or dinner. And it's just like a little bit of technique here and there, a little bit of like cooking knowledge, how you cut your vegetables makes a huge difference. So we're like, we're like brown. Our vegetables have like a nice brown tinge to the outside of them. And that was like a few minutes. This, yeah, a few minutes, like three. I think it depends on your heat. So now what we're gonna do actually is, I'm gonna turn this thing very low because you can hear it's still boiling, like the sizzle is still happening. Yeah. And what I wanna do is I wanna take all my garlic that's minced up really fine. And I don't want this garlic to burn. So if I put it in on a high heat, what's gonna happen is it's gonna immediately turn brown and get bitter. So I've turned it down. I'm throwing the garlic in. I'm gonna use my spatula to stir it around. For like 10 to 15 seconds, just to really coat. And the garlic is really like a spice. It's perfuming, because it's heating, so you're getting that like really toasted garlic flavor. I wanna trap that flavor in the shakshuka. So then I add my crushed tomatoes. And that aroma of the garlic is gonna settle inside of the shakshuka, inside of the tomatoes. And I'm just gonna gently stir everything around. So it's on a very low flame, low medium. The tomato sauce in there, you can no longer hear the sizzle, right? Right. So a lot of the times what people will do at this stage is they'll drop their eggs in there and that's how they make shakshuka. Nope, it's not good. It's like, it's like tomato sauce. Shakshuka, really, really great shakshuka that I've had in Israel has like a custardy texture to it. It's like thick, rich. When you dip your bread into it, you could basically like, it would stand up straight, it wouldn't fall off the bread. You know, you don't want it to be like a pasta sauce. Yeah. You want it to almost have the texture of like bread pudding or like a pampardieu or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. So so what are we looking for now? You, so, so now it's, so it's, at, a light it's at a light simmer. And you're just cooking it out. Just cooking it. And what I'm gonna do now is I've got my sweet potatoes and I'm gonna throw those into the skillet because if we eat one right now, they're really, really nice texture, but they could use a little bit more cooking, not by much. I'm gonna mix all those around so everything's nice and even. Um, we're gonna cook this down over a low flame for like five minutes, okay. maybe 10, depending on how low your flame is. And that's gonna give it that really custardy texture. The, the thing that's really making this sauce really loose right now is that it's, there's a lot of water in that crushed tomato sauce. So we're gonna just like cook the water out. At that point, we'll have a stopping point where 
you could, once it's at the custardy level, you could turn off the heat and set it aside and come back to it later. Okay, cool. So you could like poach your eggs like two hours later yeah. and you're, nothing would be wrong with it. You might have to add like a little bit of water to it. But we do that all the time because you see how long this takes and we want to cook. We want to have a dish out in five minutes. So we'll pre-cook the shakshuka bases for restaurant style. So, so at home, if someone's like super busy or kids running around the house, essentially you could make this sauce, the sweet potato, the onions, the peppers, sure. the garlic, the crushed tomatoes and all that. Once you get it to this good point, five minutes from now, can I basically cool it, put it in a container? And- so here's my philosophy on this. Okay. You can do whatever you want. Like yeah. the flavor is all pretty much there. Part of the one pot meal thing is that you have this pan that's like lived this very short life cycle of like a shakshuka being built in it. I'm so cutting you off really quick. There. By the way, as this is simmering lightly on your stove for five minutes and you're listening to us talk, feel free to, you know, wipe down your kitchen or clean up a little and, and we'll get back to this skillet. So I think that there's a lot of deliciousness happening in the pot. You could easily take it out and refrigerate your stuff, put it back in the skillet the next day or that night or whatever. I think you can leave it in the pot for a couple hours and it's totally fine. If you take it out, it tends to like lose some of that like really charred flavor that's happening because you've got that skillet and the the oil in there and all that stuff going on. This is is interesting you say that because it, and I agree with you. I think if you're in a bind or in a hurry, like chef is saying, and you need to empty it in a container, cool it, put it in your fridge, come back to it the next day, dump it back into a skillet, heat it up low, you know, so it comes up to temperature. Even you could throw it in like a 350 degree oven in the skillet to warm it so you don't burn the bottom of your pan if you put it on the stove. Yeah, if you do reheat it, you're gonna wanna keep an eye on it so the bottom, like he said, doesn't burn. But we came across this in another episode this season when uh, Rocco Despirito was doing his meatballs and I was asking him about storing it and, and whatnot and he said a similar thing. He said, just store it in this pot that you cook the meatballs and the sauce in. That's interesting. So we've got the sauce and like we can see it's like a little jiggly. Once the jiggle's gone, then we know it's like set to the right custard huh. consistency. The sweet potatoes too, we haven't talked about this yet, but like the sweetness in there with all of the like vegetables and the tomato and the acidity and all that is like a really great balance. In the restaurant, we cook them in a wood fire oven. So they have like a smoky flavor to them as well. But you can use any vegetable. Like you can use sunchooks, you can do like fingerling potatoes. I personally like to use things that are a little bit on the, like, they're a little on the softer side texturally. So like a summer squash is great. But if you cook them ahead of time, you know, either in the same pot and pull them out or like roast them in an oven, like Brussels sprouts are great like charred Brussels sprouts under a broiler in your oven with salt and olive oil. You can throw anything you want in there. So this is like one of those dishes that I love because you can make it with three or four simple ingredients that you can just keep around or you can use it, use scraps. Scrap onion, scrap pepper. It's a great way. And a bunch of roasted veg. You have the mushrooms. Yeah. Are outstanding in here. 
You could put a breakfast sausage on top. Is it normal for a chef to add? I, I feel like when I see shakshuka, it's normally the red, you know, sauce base, if you will. Like I've been seeing sweet potato or many other things. Is that is that a normal thing in Israel or wherever? I think it's not really normal to put like sweet potato in there. But there, there's a restaurant called Dr. Shakshuka in Israel, and they have, like, a menu where you can add a bunch of different items to them. Like, you can add a merguez sausage or roasted mushrooms or, um, like, shawarma. Like, and, and they're a very popular restaurant in Tel Aviv, and, and it's what people go to eat there. So, so essentially, depending on your your diet your lifestyle you know if you are doing a certain diet and you can't have sweet potato remove it if you're doing one where you need to bulk up on the veg like chef you said a bunch of vitamin else. d then you could saute a bunch of kale and put it in there yeah. or whatever you know you could do anything you want it's kind of the shakshuka the tomato pepper and onion that is kind of the the canvas for whatever you want to paint that's great as far as a dish yeah and once you nail that you know, you can play around and experiment with with other things. So if you need more protein, more fats, like we, Chef um, said, sausage. You know, on, the, and, I, on the Cook Tracks recipe, we have avocado or feta as an option because, you know, if you want to add a little bit more fat or some creaminess to it, uh, you can either fold stuff into the actual base, like the sweet potatoes, or you can put stuff on top with your eggs. And it's beautiful. That's cool. So how would this work? So in your other Cook Tracks recipe for the fried fish, you made an avocado lebna. Mm-hmm. Can you do an avocado lebna or put like a little dollop of lebna on this? Is that weird? Yeah, I think you could. I think also you could like serve it on the side and you could like, if you're serving this like for four to six people, the shakshuka, you could like serve it with bread. This is one of those dishes that oh, that'd be delicious. You want to serve with bread. You can go buy pita bread at a at a Middle Eastern market. You can buy a challah. Even just like a sourdough would be great, or like a focaccia, yeah. something that's gonna like soak up all that sauce and like be able to get into those tomatoes and the eggs. And then anything like that, like the avocado labna on the side, just like as an added little delicious punch. Why not? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. We serve it with uh, a couple of different hot sauces at the restaurant um, that we make in-house. So you could do something like that if you could buy a store-bought harissa or like a jalapeno chutney or like a salsa verde. Anything that you want that's a little spicy, if you want to give it a little kick, um, the more the merrier. So we are pretty close on this shakshuka. We're boiling away. It's over medium heat. There's a lot less jiggle. You, I, I realize like it's at this like almost like low rapid simmer, if that makes sense. But you haven't you haven't stirred it in the last like five minutes. No, I don't really need to. I mean, I could. It wouldn't be a problem. But like I'm developing a little bit of caramelization on the bottom and outside of the pan, which is fine. But I'm really trying to like see we get a little bit of that brown over there yeah but with my spatula and a consistent heat all that stuff is kind of like coming up into the pan and like developing more flavor when i scrape it with the spatula got it so i'm just like being really patient 
letting it do its thing. I've noticed there's a, um, a theme in your Cook Tracks episodes, Zach, of slow, patient, let the food and the heat do what it's supposed to do, no rushing. Yeah, it's like being focused on... Uh, you know, you have to be confident that you're going to do it well and then being confident and like knowing when you're about to go too far. And it's hard to do that when you're rushing through things. And we rush, you know, as professional cooks, we rush a lot of things and paying attention to the details of something that's so simple as peppers and onions with tomato sauce and eggs on top makes a world of difference in the final product. Well, it's interesting also because as we know, well, or you may not know, like baking is more of a science, right? So with cooking, it's not like it can be a science. It's not necessarily, but things, there's variables, like things can yeah, change. The yeah. pot, I mean, yours may be in good shape already, by so the way. So we use, a, we use a pan that's usually about half the size yeah. in the restaurant for dinner service. And it takes half the time. So, right. So if you're doing this, it, which you can fully go ahead and do, you know, half half this recipe, you'd probably be there already. And if yeah. you're doing it for six people and using like a much bigger skillet, it's obviously going to take more time. Yeah. And you can use like a cast iron skillet and um, like it'll probably take longer because yeah. while they retain heat. They're yeah. usually wider. But as it's simmering away, it gives you that opportunity. So we're, we're, to, like, to we're ready to rock. Are you ready? All right. Yeah, All right, so here is the consistency that we want where it's like tomato jamming, you know? And then I have my room, t- my eggs have been at room temperature for a while. Is that as important? As soon as I started this, I got them out of the fridge. Yeah. Because if they're cold and they go in that pan, they're going to take a little too long to cook. So I like to, if I know I'm going to use them, I pull them out. Scrambled eggs, I think, is different. But just in something like this where you're cooking them in a sauce, the warmer they are, the easier it's going to be on you. The more evenly they'll cook as well. So I've got my skillet. And then I'm going to do this funny little trick. I'm going to take just a regular spoon. And I'm going to make four little divots. In four different areas of the pan. And the reason for that is because when I crack my eggs, I want my eggs to like sit inside of the divots because I want them to be separate. If they sit on top of the tomato, of the shakshuka base, what ends up happening is the whites kind of like bleed together and then you totally miss this like really beautiful red sauce that you have on the top. Like you can't see it. So it's kind of like, what would be the point of that? Why would you spend all this time making this really beautiful sauce that you just covered in eggs? Right, which also reminds me of why it's important to let this sauce cook out to it's almost like a thicker jammier looking consistency rather than a watery sauce because you won't then be able to make swim those in there. you won't yeah. be able to make those divots so we're going to put our lid on top so if you have a lid to the skillet obviously use that um, if you look at your podcast player you'll see a picture this is a little chef tip there using the same size skillet you know upside down on, on that skillet 
create your own lid or if you have a baking sheet, you could use that to cover it. Um, just make sure when you remove the baking sheet, you're using, you know, a dish towel or something like that because it's going to be hot. I've also turned the oven or the, the heat down Heat to is a down. low. Okay, heat is down um, to low. Because I'm trying to gently cook these eggs. Yeah. So for me, I'm poaching them. We form these divots and they're basically keeping their egg shape. Poached eggs are not wide and flat. They're sort of like little tiny balls. So I'm trying to keep that shape, cook the whites all the way through and keep the yolk like a nice runny yolk. Because I want that richness of the yolk to be able to be like spread all around. We often at the restaurant do like eggs poached over hard in the shakshuka, which means we would just let them cook a little bit longer. So we're going, you know, we're on 30 seconds now. 30, it's yeah, 30 seconds a minute or so. Minute or two before they even look like they're close. And you would just cook them longer and longer and longer until you touch the yolk with your finger and it like is very hard. That's what you want. No, that's what, if you're, Poaching them over hard, you would oh, just cook it. it longer. Okay. You want them to be like runny. Like when you poke them, they have a, a good amount of give. Right. Got it. And so in a I was mentioning the lid, in in a pinch, I don't want to say worst case, but in a pinch, you could use a sheet of foil, but it's really the last thing you want to do. You try the skillet action or baking sheet or if you have an actual lid. Yeah, I think By a the way, baking sheet is great. Yeah, even if you have a lid to another pot you know, that's big enough and will set on top. Don't worry if your specific skillet doesn't have a lid that came with it. You're just trying to really like steam the top of them because they'll take a lot longer to cook without a lid. And you'll probably burn the bottom of the pan. So we've got, we've been about two minutes. So I can like poke these eggs and they are Still very undercooked on the yolk. Like I can push them down and they really move. But the whites, you know, what you can do is I use a little spoon and I can pull back around the outside of the whites and see if there's any like runny parts of the white egg. And if they're not, then I know it's cooked really well. Also, you know, the pan is really hot. Yeah. So I like to pull it a little bit earlier and turn, the heat is off now. So heat After off. about a minute or a half, I took the lid off, turned off the heat. They're gonna like continue to cook a little bit in that hot pan. Yeah. So this is like one of those things you wanna serve like pretty quickly. So at this point, you can put this down on your table, on a trivet, the large serving spoon, and then you wanna take the recipe calls for some flaky sea salt. And so you wanna take a little pinch and put it just on top of each egg yolk. Because remember, we seasoned everything else the rest of the way, but we didn't season the eggs. Got it. And if we don't season the eggs, they're gonna not taste great. So this is your base from here. You can then- The world is your oyster Put herbs on top, we're gonna to cover it this, in is, a bunch of this is garnish time. Tons of chopped up parsley. You can put a little hot sauce on there if you want. You could, you know, put little sprinkles of feta. We use this really wonderful Bulgarian feta that we buy at the Middle Eastern markets. It's like really nice and salty. It's sheep's milk. 
a little avocado slice, whatever you want. Serve with bread. Absolutely have to serve with bread. I like it. You can eat it without bread, but I, I don't think it's as good. Yeah. So that's it. This is a one skillet meal. Serve it, like Chef said, off of a trivet right at the table. Take a big spoon, scoop out an egg onto someone's plate. Make sure they get some of that nice, delicious, rich sauce that you poured your heart and soul into. Shakshuka, classic, traditional North African dish. Once again, thank you to Chef Zach Engel of Galit Restaurant in Chicago. If you make this at home or are making it along with him right now, make sure to hashtag CookTracks if you're doing the good old social media thing. CookTracks is also on Instagram at CookTracks. Thanks, Chef. Thank you. Enjoy, guys. That looks fucking delicious. Whether you just listened for fun or you actually cooked along with us, we thank you. If you did cook this recipe, take a pic and tag it with hashtag CookTracks. Let us know how it came out because we want to see it. Keep up to date with us on Instagram at CookTracks or at CookTracks.com. CookTracks is cooked up by my friends, Cappy, Ian Cohen, and Charlie Dugiello. And sometimes they let me, Rachel Ray, help out too. With editing from Joel Yeaton. Music has been composed by Jeffrey David Coldford. Please rate and review or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Cook Tracks. We've got your back in the kitchen.